the scoreline when he looked at it, like looks like a hammering. And it was a hammering though. They scored 28 points in about three minutes, and we couldn't stop them. You know, okay, so it was a hammering, but there's there's different levels of hammerings here. OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7:30 on the OTB Sports app. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Everyone ran their socks off tonight, and they left everything out there. We're very proud of the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello there and good morning. This is episode 28 of the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. I'm Kathleen McNamee and alongside me is Karen Duggan and we are officially underway, Karen. We finally have football after months of talking about it. I know, I know. We had um, kind of the start we expected to have to the Euros, but it has kind of wet the appetite for what's to come, I think. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, uh, we talked about England, Austria at the start of the week, and I think everyone expected it to be a little bit more exciting, <laughs> more exciting, more dominant than England. Yeah. And that just isn't what happened. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, England, they didn't start very well. Austria kind of imposed themselves in the first 10 minutes and then England grew into the game and they started to get some joy and they were whipping a lot of good crosses into the box and they got that all important goal through Bet Mead and I said at halftime, I was like, they're going to come out and they're going to get three more because we kind of said they're slow starters, but they're a really good second half team. But they didn't. It was it was kind of a non-event the second half. I mean, Austria were the ones nearly pushing a bit more at the end, but never looked like scoring. So England just looked like they were seeing out the win. Yeah, I thought it was interesting of all the things I said before the match. One of the things was that England don't score early doors. They tend to come on at like yeah. Minute on, and then and that's what I was expecting. I was expecting Beeman to put on like Chloe Kelly, those sort of players, and for things to kind of get a bit faster, get a bit more like pace on things. But it just didn't happen. No, and, I suppose you credit Austria for that though as well. Yeah, it. and even the best meet goal, like it wasn't exactly like it was a perfectly clean strike, and they did really well to get it in. It was a bit of a fumble over the line. <laughs> yeah, and it was Austria could have dealt with that a few times before it actually um, came through to meet. So. Yeah, they 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 rode their luck a little bit, but they look the scenes at the end of the game. They don't look like they really cared too much. They got their big win on the first game against a decent opposition in in front of a massive crowd. So they're off the mark, and that's all they really care about. Yeah, they very much got that impression from the players, and even Beekman herself afterwards. A, a win is a win in their books. In that group as well, we also had Norway and Northern Ireland, which I was at last night. It was very nice to actually get to a game and mm. see the atmosphere. And even though, like, I think there was nine thousand people there, it was actually a really great atmosphere. I was quite surprised the Norway and Northern Ireland bands pulled out all the stops, um, and a historic first ever goal for Northern Ireland in a major tournament. Yeah, and it came through an unexpected source, I suppose. And Nelson, I think she said she hadn't scored for two years. Look, so it was a wonderful moment and I was glad that they celebrated. I know they were 3 nil down or, or so at the time, but that's a huge historic moment for Northern Ireland and one that they should savour. And I know it doesn't, maybe it doesn't look like it on the balance of things, but Norway are a top class team and 4-1 isn't a horrific result against them by any means. I think they've kind of gone under the radar, but then when you actually watch them and you see the talent that they do have on their team, right, and Graham Hansen, we all talk about Hergerberg, but there's there's so much more to them as well. So I'm really looking forward to the, the Norway-England game when that one comes around. Yeah, Caroline Graham Hansen watching her play last night. I think she would nutmegged one player like three times a week. <laughs> and I was just like... Yeah, she's sick. <laughs> 
And even afterwards, she was put up for the media to talk and she was just so chill. She was like, we won. We should have done better, but we won. That's all. Yeah, and their manager said the same. Look, there's room for improvements. Um, So I think both Norway and England feel that they can play better, which we hope they do when it gets to that game because um, it's hard to call, really. England didn't do much to hammer home their favourites tag, I don't think. No, but if... Norway play the way they did last night then I can definitely see England smashing yeah. quite a few goals against them like yeah. their forward line and their midfield incredible their defence not that mm-hmm. at all and if Northern Ireland had had the opportunity a few more times to get a bit higher and obviously there was that bad injury to Simone McGill as, during the game you know if they had more opportunities I easily could have seen them snatching another one or if they just had another set piece or something um so it will be interesting. And similarly enough to England as well, especially players like Hergerberg did have a lot of opportunities and just didn't really properly convert them. Like at the start of the first half, I think she missed three in a row. And mm-hmm. her teammates were almost kind of joking with her because at that stage, you know, they had scored two or three goals. They were flying it. Yeah. And then you could just see the frustration setting in a bit more, especially for the second half when they just couldn't get anything in the net. I also thought it was quite funny. Kenny Shields after the game was just so unimpressed. Like he, he was just like, "I, well, we didn't win, did we?" And everyone was kind of like, "Oh, well, you got your first goal in a major tournament. Is that not a big deal?" And he was just like, mm, "Goal's a goal." Yeah, he's an interesting character, isn't he? I think we'll enjoy his interviews over the next while. Um, he's he is an interesting character. Very interesting. I'm very blatant of like actually saying, you know, I want the team to go out and win and this is all part of a process. But I was like, you could be a tiny bit happy. Yeah, I mean, before the game, he was more so saying as long as we get better as the tournament goes on. Yeah. Um, I think they did themselves credit last night. I don't think that anyone expected much more than that. And they expected more from Norway. And again, you have to credit the opposition for doing yeah, that. Definitely. Well, first two games done. We have quite a few games. I think there's six between now and when we record again on Monday. So we will try to get them <laughs> as best as we can. Uh, but today's slate of games is actually probably the most interesting in that it is the group of death. We have Finland versus Spain and then Germany and Denmark. Probably Germany, Denmark, the more interesting, but also going to be interesting how Spain come out after everything that happened to them this week with Patelis. Yeah, exactly. You wonder how something like that will affect them mentally. I mean, they lost two of their biggest players going into the tournament. They were favourites before this and now they're kind of dropping down a little bit in in the bookies rankings. So do you think they're going to be like, oh, maybe we still have a point to prove? Or is it, look, we've lost superstars and it's it's hard for any team to to cope with that. And fin- that'll get Finland's kind of back up as well. They'll say, okay, well, we can keep these out. We're not up against the best striker in the world anymore. So I think Finland would be going to park the bus. I think they'll still maybe feel like they can just nick something on the break. Um, I still think Spain have enough in the tank to to take it past Finland. Um, we've obviously seen them play quite recently against Ireland and Ireland got the win against them just purely by applying a very high press early on. So I think Finland have some frailties at the back that Spain can still expose. Um, it's just kind of that midfield battle then be interesting to see if Finland can get some good possession against Spain, um, which a lot of teams struggle to do. So I, I do still think Spain have it in the bank, but I'm really interested to see how they react to what has been a horrific kind of preparation for them. You couldn't ask for worse. Like no. I... 
when I saw the news come through during the week and it, that it was her knee, I was like, no, 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 That's no. it. Like, I think anyone who's a fan was <laughs> looking forward to seeing her play and it didn't matter what country you were from. I saw loads of tweets from different people just like heartbreaking emojis yeah. and just <laughs> so. And then just images of her like at training watching them. Like, it, it's really hard. Like, Yeah, I know we, we were debating this last night that if you were going to a major tournament and you did your ACL and you're on the sort of form Patelis has been in in the lead up to this would you want to stay or would you just want to go home and cry in your bed for three weeks or I think you'd cry in their hotel room I think you'd stay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other game is Germany versus Denmark Germany a team with a lot of questions to answer and also a replay from when Denmark knocked Germany out and ended their 22 year reign over the competition so there's a bit of bite to this one which we like and that's why I'm a little bit scared for Denmark. Like, you don't upset the Germans. Um, they're the most successful team in Europe and people are are kind of not dismissing their chances because they're Germany, but they're not mentioning them in the same bracket as England and Spain, which is really interesting. And I know that that's not something that they'll take kindly to. In saying that, Denmark are a very, very good team as well. Um, we're obviously very familiar with Penela Harder and the talent that she has and what she brings to Chelsea. So they have some very good firepower as well. Um, two very just big, strong teams. Um, and I think it's it'll be an interesting affair to see how they both go about it. Do Denmark kind of back themselves to go at Germany now that Germany aren't the power force that they once were? Or do they know that their limitations and that they might need to just hit them on the break. I don't know. It's it's a, it's an intriguing one. I think that Germany will come out all guns blazing and might just be a little bit too strong and they will have that bit between their teeth. But yeah, it's another intriguing game. That, that group is just one you can't predict, I don't think. No, and this Germany side is interesting in the sense that they defensively they've always been known as being a really strong team but they're a bit uncertain in that department they've obviously lost massive players and the fact that Marajan and Melody Leopolds aren't going to be there in terms of leadership but then you have really cool exciting young players like I think I've seen nearly every pundit mention Lena Oberdorf as someone to watch mm. 2020 2021 um so it's like that weird sort of it's, it's not very German like yeah yeah <laughs> and then these new young exciting players and even if you look at I suppose we always would have said like the Wolfsburgs of the world and the Bayern Munichs and even how they've been competing in the leagues they've kind of around it feels to some of the other leagues so it feels like Germany come into this with a lot to prove even though they do have this massive record behind them it almost feels like a Leon of like a season or two ago mm. yeah it'd be interesting um I, I like you say the German league was always again seen as the biggest one in Europe and um, now the WSL has taken over from that, I would say. And it's in England and it's Germany. Um, I think Germany would love to get to the final and play England and just prove a lot of points. Um, and they do have a lot of young talent, which we're not probably used to seeing with them. They're usually very established and kind of intimidating. So it's it'll be if they've lost that intimidating factor do they still have the talent to go all the way and I just don't think you can ever discount them so no definitely not <laughs> I think that would be a silly thing to do yeah. um and then coming up on Saturday we have Portugal versus Sweden first 
kind of one of those games where I feel like a lot of people won't pay that much attention to it because it's not some of the big names, but could be quite an interesting matchup. And like no one expects Portugal to do all that well. I think most of their players play in the Portuguese league, but I mean, I mean we saw it with Northern Ireland last night. That doesn't mean that you can't give a bit of entertainment. And um, yeah, I don't. I just don't think that they have the strength to compete in this group. Um, when you look at the other three teams, um, Switzerland are strong. They're very, very strong. Sweden are the second best team in the world and Netherlands are the reigning champions. So not that they'll be the whipping boys of the group, Portugal, but because they're technically excellent. Anyone who's played against any type of Portuguese team, they'll know that they're technically excellent. It's like they grow up playing futsal and, and it really translates. So if you give them meaningful possession, they can make it count. But I think if you get them into any sort of physical battle, um, they won't be able to put up even with the likes of Switzerland, who again are kind of being discounted in this group just because of the quality that the Netherlands and Sweden have. So yeah, I, I yeah, I don't I don't see Portugal. I see them nicking a couple of goals as, through the group, which would be um good to see. They could be exciting. You'd love to see them as dark horses, but we'll see. Yeah, I I don't see much happening, but again, much like watching Northern Ireland last night for their sake and for the sake of the competition and I suppose football as well in their country, it would be nice just to see them get a few goals and not be totally destroyed in every single match and if they are not going to be destroyed this is probably I don't think they will be they're still a top top 30 team so yeah exactly and then we have Netherlands versus Sweden which could very easily be the final that we're talking about um that should be an exciting match I'm very much like yeah so we look at the group of death and we're saying oh every match in there is but this is probably the most exciting game because just reigning champions and the they're also the team that have kind of knocked Sweden over on their quest to becoming that top team. So they knocked them out in the last eight, I think it was, of the 2017 tournament, um, which they obviously didn't like. They've gone from strength to strength since then. They also knocked them out at the semi of the of the World Cup. So Holland have a slightly better record against Sweden, albeit that Sweden are a higher ranked team now. Um, and obviously we saw Holland getting beaten quite well by England in the lead up to this tournament. I don't know, does that count for too much? Um, I'd say it could count even just mentally about the, having that and then having to face Sweden straight off the bat. They're like, oh, well, we need to prove that we're still up here, especially... As a manager, that that will be their reaction, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even with the Miedemas in there and stuff, I feel like she's the sort of player that would react like that, but I suppose you can't really count for everyone on the team in that way. Yeah, and what do you think of people saying Sweden are one of the favourites just because we've seen them so closely yeah. I am one of those people Karen so okay. I guess well, they're very smart people <laughs> yeah now, I think that like Sweden th- this is probably going to absolutely backfire I mean now that I say that they're going to lose like 6 nils to Netherlands tomorrow <laughs> but um, I just think that they've gotten so close over the last few years mm. and they've probably done themselves in a little bit because you know, they've just not performed as well as they can in those final moments. And it feels like Gerdinson's been working with them so long that if they don't do it this time around, then something serious needs to be changed. They're the most confident team. When you look at their interviews and stuff, he has instilled this massive confidence that 
you don't often see coming from players. They like to downplay their chances and stuff, whereas he's like, no, we're here to win. Why wouldn't we be here to win? Look at the talent we have. And you're probably right. Like the times we've seen them, you did feel like they had another couple of gears in them if they needed to reach them. And like, what better time than in your opening game against the reigning champions to kind of prove that you are the best. So it's an interesting matchup just because the Netherlands still have such an amount of talent in their ranks. Um, and such an exciting team. They're quite different. Like I think Sweden are very strong and structured and can grind teams down, whereas Holland have a bit more flair, but maybe are a little bit defensively just risky. Possibly. Yeah, it is. It's The style of play is going to be really interesting. Mm. I think they'll both try and force their own style on it. And I don't really know who's going to win out in that because yeah. Netherlands just play such beautiful football and Sweden are just so physical. So yeah. It's, it'll be a good battle, I think, which is what I am looking yeah, for. Yeah, for me, it's the pick of the bunch anyway over the next three days. And then on Sunday, we have Belgium versus Iceland and France versus Italy. France, Italy is probably the pick out of that group just because we have no idea how this France team is going to... Yeah, <laughs> just because it's so unknown. Um, and Italy have improved so much. Like, looking for me going into this fixture years gone by you would have said, yeah, France are the stronger nation, absolutely. But their their record against Italy isn't fantastic. And they're just so, you don't know how they're going to react under this manager when they've, they don't have their big names. Like you're, even Lassimer at home is, yeah, it's, it's insane. It's, it's the most French thing that could have happened. Um, so if you look, the manager is still there. The, some of the players must back her. Yeah. But this is the thing I wonder because I'm like, why do, like, what does she actually bring? So it's like the 2019 World Cup was an absolute disaster for France in terms of what they actually wanted to do. Any other coach probably would have been out, especially when you're losing like Esmer, like Henri, and then like Buhadi and stuff as well. Like all those players refusing not to play under a certain coach. Yeah, I have um, big questions over the French Federation and how much attention they're given to the the women's game and the the national team to have allowed something like this to go on for as long as it has. I don't think in many other countries, they a team with their talent that performed that way they, in the World Cup and having so much negative media attention around the team would have stuck by a manager. I find it very, very strange, very strange. Um, but they're still an amazing team. So let's yeah. see how they, they fare. Like, and Italy, like that's the league probably that's growing at one of the biggest rates in Europe. Yeah. And it's great to see. And Juventus, and they've got some top quality players. Coming I was going to say Juventus is such a good example because I think yeah. they've signed, like they've extended contracts for three of their players that all had interest from like Spain, England and stuff. And they've all decided to stick with the team and stick with the league because of what's happening Six, there. Six, seven years ago, Ireland were drawn with the Italy, you know, like they've really come on leaps and bounds. I I think they're a very decent team. Um, you'd think that France still have enough to get by them, but I just can't wait to see how they <laughs> I just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And then finally, Belgium versus Iceland. I saw Belgium a couple of weeks ago when they played England in a warm-up. Wasn't particularly impressed by them in any shape or form. Um, if anything, England probably should have scored a few more against them. I still have some fairly decent players. Like you can't. I think sometimes we forget that they have as good as players as they do on their side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
the only reference I kind of have to both teams is Ireland's friendlies against them earlier in the year. And I felt like Ireland created a lot more and against Belgium. I thought that Iceland were, were pretty ruthless, particularly in that first game against Ireland. They didn't give them a sniff. So I think if Belgium have any weaknesses, I think Iceland are a team that would definitely punish them. Um, I think they're quite a clinical team. They might not have the same natural talent that the likes of France have, but I think Iceland can really be the underdogs in this group. I think France and Italy probably are maybe tipped to to get out, but um, I'd keep an eye on Iceland because they're backing it as well. You know, they were the team that were giving out about playing in the smaller stadiums. And we yeah. saw what the men's team brought when they were at the Euros and the kind of joy and the crowd and the the clap. Um, so again, they're, they're a team that could add a lot to the tournament, I think. Definitely. And I could absolutely see them getting a result against Italy. Mm. Um, that being kind of a bit of a battle between the two of those for yeah. second place in the group. Well, that is all we have got time for this morning. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports is in association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. We will be back with you next Tuesday, bright and early. And thank you very much, Karen. Thank you, Kathleen. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.